Hello, and welcome to episode four of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. I am super excited for today's episode because this is my first interview. Today's guest is Erica Keswin. Erica is a writer, a speaker, a connector, and has worked for over 20 years in the organization and leadership development and human capital space. She wrote a book, which is coming out this September, called Bring Your Human to Work, 10 Surefire Ways to Design a Workplace That's Good for People, Great for Business, and Just Might Change the World. It is available now on Amazon for pre-sale, and I'm pretty sure that you'll want to grab your copy after listening to this conversation. We touch on a few different topics, but we barely scratch the surface. So I'm really excited for you to hear this interview, and let's get to it. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. I am here with my guest, Erica Cuswin. It is so good to have you here today. Thank you for joining and being my very first guest. Oh my gosh, I'm excited. And I have to say, I didn't realize it was the, I was the first guest. Yeah, well, I didn't want to tell you that before because I didn't want you to back out. <laughs> but I feel like this is actually very apropos of you because the way that we met, I want to share just because it's so funny to me, is we were sitting in a cafe in Manhattan and I was working and I overheard you talking with a friend of yours about an event for Dory Clark, who I love. And I was like, oh, are you going to that event? And I totally interrupted your conversation, which I never do. And I don't know why I was being so bold in that moment, but I was, and I just totally interrupted and you were so nice to me. <laughs> well, it, it was so funny. You're right. We were sitting next to each other and then we started talking and realized we not only had mutual friends, but common professional interest. And then fast forward, we met for coffee and, and here we are. Yeah. So to me, you know, in, in my work, which I know you'll get into, I talk about investing time in relationships and because you just never know and you can't do it all the time, but we must have both just had that feeling. Yeah. Well, I am so thankful that you took a chance on me and that you said yes to being here today. So let's talk about your new book, Bring Your Human to Work, 10 Surefire Ways to Design a Workplace That's Good for People, Great for Business, and Just Might Change the World. And I'm excited because not only is it coming out this September, but it's available on Amazon for pre-order, which is awesome. And I'm just really excited for this book because I got to see that sneak peek booklet you made and had so many interesting ideas and new twists on familiar concepts. Great. Well, the way that it came about, I've spent the last 20 plus years working in the human capital space, really helping companies improve their performance through people. And one of the things I began to see as technology became more prevalent in our lives personally and professionally was there, there was a shift in the workplace. You know, not, not necessarily bad or good, but just a shift that I noticed. So it was everything from people choosing to call into meetings from down the hall or sit in meetings and be on their technology or take their lunch back to their desk every day so they could clean out their inbox or connect on social media with people outside of their office. And I began to wonder what impact that would have on us as people, but also on our businesses. So I embarked on this multi-year journey interviewing CEOs, millennials, and everybody in between on the impact of technology on relationships at work. And so that became this book, Bring Your Human to Work. And the idea is that, you know, it's not 
pro-technology, it's not anti-technology, that we need to understand how to use it for good and how to leverage it in a way that helps us deepen our relationships at work because, because what I've found is that when you do that, it's actually good for people and good for business. So you mentioned just now two different scenarios of meetings, which you know is one of my main passions. And the role of technology in meetings and having productive meetings are one of the biggest things that managers and organizations kind of at large really struggle with. So what did you discover when you were thinking about the role of meetings? Yeah, so I agree. Uh, meetings, are, meetings are a big passion of mine as well. Meetings also are something that in, in my travels, and I'm sure yours, this is a huge topic for people because in many organizations, it is truly sucking the lifeblood out of people, that they spend up to 23 hours a week in meetings. And many times employees say that they can't even start their quote unquote real work until it's five or six o'clock when everybody goes home. And then their managers wonder why there's a lot of turnover because people can't get any work done during the day because they're sitting in meetings. So my approach to meetings is what I call mind your meetings. And I, in the book, I break it down into three parts. The first is purpose. The second is presence. And the third are protocols. So under purpose, why are we having this meeting? Why are we taking time, you know, our, one of our most precious resources to come together and have a meeting? And I think in many organizations, people don't even stop to ask this question. The other part of that is you have an opportunity to link your meetings and the purpose of your meetings to your values as a company. Because we're coming together so much and values are so important to really all of us as people, but especially these new generations, this is an amazing opportunity to sell what you're all about as a company. So one of my favorite examples is a woman named Tiffany Pham, who's the CEO of a company called Mogul. And one of their company values is transparency. So every time they have one of their meetings, she makes sure she shares the numbers and makes, makes sure that people understand what is truly going on in the company. So that's all about purpose. And one other fun anecdote is one of the founders of Warby Parker, Dave Gilboa, who says that at the end of every week, he actually does sort of a post-mortem on all of his meetings to make sure that they were purposeful and meets with his assistant and says, well, okay, you know what? I, next week, I don't need to go to this one or this one I should keep going to. And again, I, I often say left to our own devices, excusing the pun, we don't address these things. So we have to be intentional and strategic about it. Second way that I approach meetings is presence. And as we all know, in this day and age, just because you're physically present somewhere does not mean that you're actually present. And, you know, Randy Zuckerberg, who also just came out with a new book and is a, a friend and colleague, you know, often said to me, you know, your presence no longer is a sign that you're actually paying attention. So to me, we, in meetings, if you're going to get a bang for the buck, as a leader, you have to figure out ways to get people to truly be physically present as well as mentally present, which leads me to my third part, which is where I talk about protocols. Let's put some rules of the road into all of these aspects of our meetings because this technology we made, we feel like it's been around forever, but it, the iPhone just had its 10-year birthday. It's really very new. So protocols, you could make sure people pre-read. You could have no technology. You could start your meeting like they do at Eileen Fisher with a chime that sort of gets people present in their own body to be able to focus 
on a meeting. I mean, I could go through a hundred examples of different company protocols. I don't want to take up the whole podcast in that, but, but those are some ways that I think about meetings and really how managers honor relationships with their employees and with themselves through their meetings. So I love what you're just saying, especially about purpose, because it's the number one thing that we talk about at Meteor, which is have a desired outcome of a meeting. You have to know what the outcome is, not just what you're going to do, because it's too easy to say, oh, we're going to talk about last quarter's numbers. And then at the end, be like, that was a really interesting discussion. But did anything come of that? And right. as long it had nothing as- to do with why we were supposed to get together to begin with. And then people get really frustrated and even angry. Yes. And as you said before, like people will feel like these meetings are a waste of their time and they can't get their real work done. And it's just, it's such a shame because as you mentioned with the story around transparency, that meetings can actually be a way to live your values as a company and to create a culture that's really healthy and strong and demonstrates what you want rather than being a, a life sucker. Exactly. All right. So I love all this stuff about meetings. And now I'm really excited to try with some of my teams, maybe some new protocols to how we start our meeting. We always start with a check-in, which has been in, in some ways, actually, when you have so many, when you've done something so many times, it can become like wallpaper in a meeting. So we always start our meetings with a check-in and just a quick go around of like, how are you doing today? But now I kind of want to try some new approaches to help people be present and try some new protocols. So thank you for that. Yeah, you know, I heard, I actually was listening to something yesterday where they happened to touch on meetings where someone said, you know, think about, and I, I also talk about the importance in this day and age of curating connection. It's harder to get people's attention today than it was before all of this technology. So maybe before your next meeting, even think about a really interesting story that brings out a theme that's important to you or important to your company culture. And think long and hard about which story that you pick. And I, I don't know, I think you can pose a really fun and interesting question to managers to come in there and really use, an op- use this as an opportunity to grab people's attention right out of the gate. That is wonderful. My dad, who runs our family business, tells stories all the time. He really believes in the power of stories to get people's attention, to make content memorable, and to shape a culture. So he's often telling stories about my grandfather, who was our founder, as a way to illustrate what the company values are and where we come from and whatever it is that he wants us to be thinking about. So if he wants us to be thinking in a really innovative way, he'll tell a story about my grandfather's process of innovation. Or if he wants us to tell a story about being more inclusive, he'll tell a story about hiring some people kind of in the 70s that was considered to be kind of a a very edgy or risky thing to hire these particular people. So those stories are are wonderful. I love that idea of bringing that into your meetings as well. So I want to move us along a little bit and talk about professional development, because as someone who's trying to help people have better meetings, to me, that's a major component of, of developing yourself as a professional. And in your book, you talk about this. So tell me more about this. Sure. So professional, when we think about the new world of work and the new generations of employees coming into the workplace, they're pretty clear about what they want. And one of the things that they want is life. They want to learn. They want to learn on the job. And, you know, many people, when we think about millennials, you know, people say, oh, they want to come in and run the company overnight. In reality, they just want to feel like they are growing and developing. And taking a cookie cutter learning and developing program and signing them up for it in this day and age really is not going to cut it, which is why I call that chapter in the book, Take Professional Development Personally. And what that entails is that to be a good manager, you actually have to have a conversation with your employees about 
what they want to learn, what is important to them. And not only just from the standpoint of technical skills, yes, they are going to need certain technical skills to move forward in, in, their, in their job and within a company. But beyond that, millennials want to grow in other professional ways and other personal ways. So in my opinion, the companies that do this best don't shy away from deeper conversations around what is important to you. Do you want to become a better manager? Maybe, maybe you want to be an individual contributor and, and don't want to go down the manager path. Maybe you want to become a better public speaker. Maybe you want to have a byline in an article. And so by asking those questions, you have a much better shot at, at getting it right and matching interesting opportunities with, you know, to your employees. And oftentimes, it ends up costing you less as a company because these opportunities don't necessarily have to cost anything. So one of the examples that I talk about in the book is CEO of DoSomething.org. Her name is Aria Finger. And yes, she only has 65 people, so we're not talking about hundreds of thousands of people, but there are different ways to approach this in a bigger company, but, but the themes are very similar. So what Aria does is she and her senior team has, managed, has conversations with each person about what is important to them in terms of their own learning and development and their own journey. And she captures it. And then when those opportunities come up, she is able to match them and her retention rate of her employees is much, much better than other not-for-profits. And, and you know, most, most millennials don't stay with a company for more than two years. And she, so she has very specific programs in place that will help her retain her employees longer. That's amazing. And I'm so excited to hear that, especially in a nonprofit setting, that someone is taking this so seriously. I talked about it actually in my last episode of The Modern Manager in episode two, that one of the characteristics of a rock star manager is to invest in their people to grow capability and to make that type of growth part of the job rather than something that happens on the side. And we definitely don't do it enough in business. So to think about a nonprofit doing is even more exciting to think that there's really hope for this mindset shift to happen. No, I, I agree. And what she's found is that, you know, again, it's a not-for-profit. They don't have oodles and oodles of money to put toward this. But she gave me this a great example. She, said, she and I met, we were both part of this uh, networking group together. And at one point, somebody put out a note on our networking group saying they were looking for a female of color technology leader who could speak at something. And she happened to know that one of the women that works for her really had a goal of doing more speaking. And she was able to create that match, which, which was a win-win for the organization looking for a speaker and for her employee. And there, it, there was zero cost associated with it. I feel like that's the difference when you think about investing in professional development, not just as this person should get this certification or this person could go to this course or something like that, but thinking about it from a broader perspective of what are opportunities this person can have. Can this person join a new team and learn by being on that team? Or can we give them an assignment or read a book and start a book club and make that part of developing a shared language or framework or model around some content or some ideas? I love this kind of really thinking through what's best for the person and what's going to help them get there. Well, it's funny you mentioned book club. There's another company in the book called Insignium, and they have a book club for all of their employees. And they pick two books a year. One is a business book, and one is not a business book. And last year, they read Atlas Shrugged, which can be a pretty intimidating, and it is a very long book. 
And the CEO described how his receptionist, and everybody's reading it from the receptionist to the most senior people in the organization who clearly come to the table with very different backgrounds and abilities. And a couple of the people were really upset, but the, the organization and the teams came together. And what he loved more than anything was walking into his office a week before they would do a, a company call because not everybody's in the same office where they would have questions, you know, similar to a book club set of questions where they would talk about the book and the themes and what it meant for them as people and how they could see what it meant for them in their company. And he would walk into the office and he would see five different people sitting together from a cross-function, you know, cross-functions in the organization, people in different levels, sitting in it, sitting around the table together, chatting about the book. So not only does it build relationships and, you know, cross-functional opportunities, but it, but it really brought the organization together as a whole, in addition to the learnings that come out of that book. And again, it, it doesn't cost anything. Yeah, that is amazing. We did that with my company as well. We had a book group that we, we got through about four books before we decided to take a pause on it. But it was amazing how I think the conversations that I had with people were so different and they weren't all business books for sure. So I, I hope that somebody will, will take this and run with it and try a book club with their team or with their company. And, and if you do, let me know. And if you've tried this before, let me know how it goes. For sure. All right. Why don't you tell me one of your favorite chapters of the book, something that you found either surprising in your research or really exciting or that you think is kind of really important for managers to think about? So hard to choose, but since you're making me choose, I'm going to choose chapter two, which is called Playing the Long Game. And what I focus on in that chapter is everything from diversity and inclusion to what I call intentional work practices. And what I mean by that is everything from thinking about the idea of having flexible work, which again, when we think about millennials and Gen Z, this is something that they're coming in and, and somewhat demanding, a, a, you know, that they're able to not necessarily work from home every day, but they, they want there to be some flexibility in the way that they work. And the reason why they're together in this chapter, and I'm a, I mean, the data is clear. When you have a more diverse workforce, it is good for business. I think it's challenging for companies to figure out exactly how to get there, but it's becoming more and more of a focus. So where do intentional work practices and diversity and inclusion fit together? If you don't think about new and creative ways to work, you will only be able to recruit a certain kind of person that may not need to leave at four o'clock to deal with an elderly parent or pick up a child. And so I, I think what's interesting about this chapter is looking at these issues together. So I, I talk about not only flexible work, but also things like parental leave, which is becoming more and more commonplace, both for parental leave, both for women and for men, whether you have a biological child, whether you adopt a child, and also things like bereavement leave. And I think the, the most well-known example of this came out in the last couple of years when Sheryl Sandberg's husband, you know, 40 years old, died very unexpectedly. And she's at Facebook, a company that has these great programs and perks and policies. And she was struck by even at a company like Facebook, how little bereavement leave there was. And so she has been on a journey to not, and she doubled the amount of bereavement leave at Facebook, but also to get other companies on board 
to, again, I keep going back to this idea of honoring relationships with their employees to make sure that, again, if they are playing the long game, there are programs in place that allow all of us to, to be sustainable at work and, and to be human and to allow us to do what we need to do as people. Wow, I love that. And I have not really thought much about how those two pieces go together of policies and diversity of workforce and the human experience. Right, and it's not just, if, is it, you know, I think too many people just focus on, on parents, but it's not just parents. It's you could have a friend that's very ill. I mean, I, for one, am in this, I'm in the sandwich generation right now. And, and many Gen Xers are in the same thing where we're taking care of our parents and taking care of our kids. I mean, the amount of hours that many people in the workplace that I talk to spend every week on, you know, organizing the health care for their parents and then even taking care of ourselves. There, there was one company with whom I spoke, and I love this. One of their programs that they have is they call it the unsick day. So everybody in the company gets a day off to go to the doctor because oftentimes we're using our sick time when we're sick. But what about having a day when you just make doctor's appointments and it doesn't count against a vacation day or a sick day? You are going and you're, you know, it's preventative. I'm going to, this is when I'm going to do my annual checkup. I thought it was so brilliant. And, and again, you know, when you think about these things, it's good for your people, but it's also good for business because if you can get people to get ahead of any potential illnesses they're going to have, then they won't be, they, there won't be as many sick days. So I thought it was great. I think that's wonderful. And from a productivity perspective, I think it makes so much sense to take one day and go to all your doctor's appointments instead of a half day to go to the dentist and another half day to go to the doctor because you can never, it's so impossible to like leave work at 10 and go to the dentist and then come back at two. Like it just doesn't happen. So it it seems like it's such a logical and smart approach, kind of a win, win, win across all the boards. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So we've been talking a lot about your book and I know there's so much more and we could keep going, but I would love for you to tell a story about a great manager that you had who had made a positive impact on you or your work experience. So maybe a story you could share about this person and kind of what demonstrates their amazingness as a awesome manager. So I've had a couple of great, really great managers in my career. And when I've thought back about what what they did, why were they a great manager? I would say they actually invested time to connect with me. And while that seems very basic, I, I think it's one of the most impactful things that a manager could do. So, you know, for example, my manager, we had time. I mean, every week where we would sit down one-on-one, and both of them happened to be men, but they were fully present. What are you working on? How can I help you? Which I think is critical. You know, what do you need from me? What do I need from you? And there was a constant back and forth in terms of feedback. Many managers wait until, you know, the end of the year. That also is is something that is shifting given what the new generations are bringing to the workplace. But I think the managers that I had had good intuition around this. So I would say they invested time to connect with me. They gave feedback and they said, thank you. I feel that that from an ego perspective, they not only gave me an opportunity to, to push beyond what someone my age at the time would be able to do, but they were appreciative and they let me know that. Awesome. All things I just talked about in my episode too. That's amazing. Oh. Well, Anna will say that, you know, the last chapter of my book is called Say Thank You. And I mean, it's, it's critical in the workplace. 
so basic yet doesn't happen enough. Mm-hmm. And if you want to hear more about this, I talk about episode two, how to say thank you in a meaningful way, because if you're getting those emails that just say thanks does not count. <laughs> so yeah. Erica, thank you so, so much for sharing all of your wisdom with us and with me. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you and keep up with you and stay connected? Great. So you can find me at www.ericakeswin.com, E-R-I-C-A-K-E-S is in Sam, W-I-N.com, where you can look up the Spaghetti Project, which is, which is the name of my company. And as we heard in the beginning, the book, Bring Your Human to Work, comes out September 25th, being published by McGraw-Hill, and it's already up on Amazon for pre-order. So Get on there. Send me an email, eric at spaghettiproject.com. And if you're interested, I'll put you on my, my mailing list for, for blog articles and all the exciting events that will go on as part of the book launch. Wonderful. And I highly recommend Erica's blog. I read every single one of your articles. They're fantastic. Oh, thank you. So any final thoughts as we wrap up? Guess one, you know, the final thought when we think about all of these different things, you know, the the work that you're doing around meetings, how to be a good manager, my work around bringing your human to work. My final thought is that it's not rocket science. And that's great news. This is not rocket science, but it does take hard work and intention and patience to really align everything you're doing around these principles. And from the companies with whom I've worked, it really does have an impact to us as people and to our businesses and to the world. So I would say give it a shot and let let both of us know how it goes. Wonderful. I totally agree. For everyone who's listening, if you are on my list, I will definitely let you know when Erica's book is fully available in paperback and being mailed out. And I will also send you um, in email. If you are on my list, you'll get the link to her book on Amazon. And if you haven't subscribed to my list, you should definitely do that now. Thank you, Erica, again for being on the show and everyone else. I will talk to you next time. That's it for today. But before we go, I want to give a shout out to Mark who sent me the following message. Mamie. I've been receiving your emails and loved, in all caps, the packet you attached for being a rockstar manager. I read through thinking about my current role and saying to myself, yes, that's how I like to manage. And wow, that is exactly what I should do. I printed a copy and shared it with the director of my organization, who herself is a rockstar manager, that suggested we share these strategies with our team leaders and other people. The director also loved the packet. Mark, I am so glad you found this content helpful and thank you so much for letting me know. I really appreciate hearing from you. So for everyone else who's listening, if you love this content or if you have suggestions for topics or how I can improve what I'm producing, please let me know. You can reach me at mamie at mamieks.com. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.